All right then, well, we'll make a start. Uh, so thank you for coming along to the last of our sessions together, and uh, for, <laughs> for this course, of course, and uh, uh, thank you for your attendance throughout and your encouragement throughout, and uh, just pray that tonight will be a, a real blessing to us all as we, as we consider what it is to keep on overcoming um, our battles with, with mental illness. And, um, but it's just been my, um, you know, sincere hope that as we've, uh, we've gone through this course that you've picked up some practical applications uh, for yourself. I'm not one who's ever really focused on telling other people what the applications are. I know it's part of a, a good Bible teaching method to come to a point of application but I've often found that the Holy Spirit works applications in each person's life and uh, in their own personal way and walk. And uh, so I'm a bit weak on that. But you, you guys will have picked up plenty of points uh, to be applying. And we're going to be looking at some of those tonight. We're going to be reiterating those. But I hope you've also just uh, learnt um, about depression and how it, how it physically and mentally affects people. Um, I hope you, if you suffer from depression, that you will um, be comforted by knowing that there are others um, who go through that, have gone through that, and have come out the other side of it, which is, uh, which is great to know. More than anything, I hope that you've uh, fallen deeper in love with Jesus and just seen his amazing love for you and and been stirred to rest in his love to an even greater extent. To, in the positive sense of the word, take his love for granted, that he really does love you. So in this last study, we're going to um, focus on some of the topics of continuing to overcome. But I thought we might... Because the study started with the survey, I thought we might read some of those uh, comments that are in your notes. Are they too small for you to read? Or are you able to read them? Okay, well, we can read them off the screen too. Um, So how about everyone just reads one of those out loud for us? Well, not everyone, but if you feel confident to read, just read one and just keep moving on through them. Faith rests in the atoning death of Christ, not how I feel. My level of upness does not determine his love and saving grace. Deciding to believe what the word says, and the word contains the truth, and the truth sets you free. So I was free through the truth, who is Jesus. His never-ending love is the reason why I am still alive, and why I kept my faith. He is Where else can we go, Lord? You have the keys to eternal life. There is no other option. Christ is all we need. Jesus said, in this life, 
who will have trouble, but cheer up, I have overcome the world. So faith is a fundamental part of me and not influenced by whether I'm suffering depression or not. Depression is just something I struggle with, like someone who has lost a leg or another, or some other debilitating disease. It's there, and sometimes it's enough to know that His grace is sufficient for us in those times of need. Because I know that He is my strength, and I can overcome anything with Him. Depression is from the flesh. It's not of the spirit. I'm able to overcome the dominance of the flesh when I walk in the spirit. This is achieved through faith in God, study of the Bible, prayer and confession with repentance. I can claim God's promises in the Bible, which are strength for me. Before I knew the full truth about me and thought I couldn't be free from depression, I was suicidal for a while and tried to kill myself multiple times. But the loving, living God divinely intervened and saved my life every time. I was also on strong medication and that settled me sometimes, but it didn't bring true freedom and when I tried to get off there myself it was impossible and turned out really badly. But when God healed me I got off my medication straight away and I haven't relapsed at all and never will because I am free. An important verse and still is Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. My counsellor taught me to meditate upon this verse. Even though depression is making each day a struggle, I'm beyond grateful. I have such loving God that I know Him, have relationship with Him, and can find comfort in Him. Aren't they just really beautiful comments? You know, from people, from Christians um, who have who have struggled with depression. Some healed, some not, but all overcoming in Jesus, one day at a time. And so we've, uh, as we've gone through this course, we have picked up these points of application to help us overcome, and we've seen that it's a battle, that it's not easy to, to think the right way and to, to capture our thoughts and to bring those into subjection to our spirit. Maybe the uh, thought of battle for you is uh, uh, just makes you tired, as it, as it does uh, tend to do to me. The idea of spiritual battle, particularly, just exhausts me before I start. You know, I'm, I find myself saying, "Lord, you know, I'm I'm finding life hard, and and I'm meant to have this spiritual battle as well." And the reason why I'm talking about spiritual battle is because I think you'd agree, as we've gone through, we've seen that re regardless of the, the principalities and the powers and what they're doing, which we have no really great insight into, depression affects the way we think. It affects the way our joy um, manifests itself. It affects the way we live. And therefore, it is a spiritual thing. It is something that Jesus came to do something about. It's a brokenheartedness that he came to do something about. So it is a spiritual battle, even if we don't know the nature of what's going on. It is spiritual. It affects us spiritually. And that's no different from if you break a leg and you're in hospital and you're off work. That knocks you about. You start wondering, Lord, why... 
why me? Why did this happen? Um, you have those questions you, that go to your faith and, and then you find that some of your joy is removed and then you find that your willingness to, um, to give your testimony and to evangelise starts diminishing. So it's, it's all spiritual. And I think one of the things we've seen in our, in our walk and, and in our time over the last few weeks is that everything, in a sense, comes back to our walk with Jesus and our focus on him. And we're going to, we're going to see some of those verses uh, shortly. But part of the reason why I think I found the idea of spiritual battle exhausting is because I misunderstood it a little bit. And that is that it is God that fights the fight. And particularly when we're thinking about principalities and powers, it is his strength and his strength working through us that fights the fight. We've looked at many verses, uh, say with uh, Joshua and, and, and Jericho, We've considered last week God saving um, the northern kingdom um, from the uh, Syrian king just by putting fear into the enemy and them running away. We know the story of Gideon. We have these great battles in the Bible where the people of God didn't have to lift the finger in actual battle. And why do we have these stories given to us? They're given to us to remind us that it is God who fights the fight. For us, this should be very encouraging to you. And if you're thinking the whole notion of battle is overwhelming, well, it's not so overwhelming if God's going to do it. So that that's really encouraging. So our spiritual battle is is Him winning the battles, and this pertains to us with a fight with depression. He will fight that fight for us too we need to concentrate on what we think about but he will do the heavy lifting in that fight for us we need to trust him and follow him the survey revealed that some people um, experienced instantaneous release from their depression I've experienced that for a year or so in my life where it just suddenly gone But 33% of the people who filled out the survey reported that depression was no longer a problem for them. So God is delivering his people through this. And it can sometimes look like it's endless. But God is actually working in his people and delivering his people through it. We saw early on in the study the things that that the church was reporting most helped Christians with depression. And that list is up there for you. And I've put focus for the future on the top of it because because these fundamentally are the things that got Christians through and are getting Christians through. Relationship with God, trust in him, um, studying the Bible, taking up the battle for the mind, fellowship, true fellowship sharing with one another in love and sharing gifts and serving one another. Then we had um, Regina and Joan talk to us about the professional help that's available. And um, I exhorted you to, to take up the professional helps that are available. They're there, use them. 
and there was also the healthy lifestyle. I haven't really concentrated on that, probably because um, I personally find that my biggest struggle, health, healthy lifestyle. So, um, But that helps people, right? And it would help me, I'm sure, if I focused on it. So as we go through tonight, um, I'm going to present to you six exhortations. And uh, because I found myself thinking, um, this is our last night. What would I really want to say to you if this uh, if this um, was uh, the end of my <laughs> my time? And sometimes I feel like I've done my job, and the Lord might now take me home, which would be really lovely, wouldn't it? Um, but um, oh, Kaz is oh, uh, so um, <laughs> okay. So um, uh, so if I so with with the course in mind, what would be six exhortations that I would give to you. An exhortation one is to actually take up the battle for your mental health. Whatever medical condition people have, you can know about it, but if you don't do anything about it, it's probably going to get worse. And a problem that gets bigger is a problem that gets harder to to solve. So I just exhort you, I've seen lots of people, including some Christians, who just allow themselves to go down and down and down and down. And whether it be for pride or whether it be for some other reason, they just don't come out and say, I need help and get the help they need to tackle it like a real problem. Maybe it's denial. It's not a real problem and it will get better and it will go away maybe it's lots of thinking like that but I just exhort you to go into battle for your mental health now as part of that exhortation I want to look at Ephesians 6 uh, 10 to 18 it's a passage we know really well and once again it gets back to the nature of our spiritual fight the spiritual battle and and I used to find myself groaning over these verses because once again it would remind me of the fact that I'm in a battle and I don't really want to be in a battle um uh, I'm a peacemaker not a fighter um I think someone said and um uh so so these verses but these verses are wonderful and once again Normally, I'm finding a pattern that if something is overwhelming to us as we read scripture, it's probably because we misunderstand it, which is really great when you come to understand that you misunderstood it. So these verses in Ephesians were that for me. So if someone would, in a big loud voice would like to read those verses, 10 to 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. All right, so we see really clearly in verse 10 that we are to be strong in the power of his might. So it's his strength. Verse 11 points out that it is not our armour. It is the armour of God. He provides it. So this is particularly important. You see it, I think, mostly when we think about, for instance, the breastplate of righteousness. Is that your righteousness? No. No, I'm never going to go into battle standing in my righteousness, right? That's, that's a hiding to nothing. But I will stand in Jesus' righteousness. Okay, so we, we see that's just a, a first example of, of how important it is that we understand that these are God's pieces of equipment that he gives us and, and tells us to put on. How would we possibly go into fight against the principalities and powers in our own strength, in, in anything that we possess? How, how would that even be possible? So how do we do it? Well, firstly, we understand that Christ has already defeated Satan. So this is a wonderful reality, and I know we've looked at this verse, but you guys are going to read it again for me because it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Colossians two thirteen to 15, if someone could read that for us. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Okay, so Jesus has disarmed the powers and authorities... He's made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And what a beautiful picture. And all of our indebtedness under the law, the law informs us what its sin is. The sin separates us from God, and Jesus has nailed it to the cross. Right? What a wonderful thing. So he has already won the victory. That's the first way we go into battle. And the second item is that we... We fight with the weapons that he has provided. So this is an absolutely fundamental principle. It says, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, I, I was struck too with the way the word withstand and stand are repeated here. We're not getting a picture of a soldier all clad up in his armour, rushing off to fight this amazing fight. We're getting a picture of a person who needs to, in a sense, defend and stand and withstand. Once again, I find that comforting. Not meant to be off fighting some crusade. I'm meant to be standing in the gospel, standing in Jesus surviving, standing, going forward. And I found several months ago this passage was really great to pray through. Now, some people are in the habit of of praying through this and and visually putting on the armour of God. And I I don't think that that is necessary in some 
spiritual sense. Like I've got to prepare myself for the day by putting on the armour of God because if I don't put on the armour of God, Satan's going to be able to buffet me around. These items are items we already possess, are they not? We have faith. We have Jesus' righteousness. We have salvation. We have the gospel of peace. So we already have all these things evident in our lives. But what I found really great as I prayed through these was to think about what each item actually meant. Not just in the, you know, we grew up in Sunday school and we have the picture of the soldier and we go through each part, but saying, well, Chris, what does that mean for you? So so I found myself praying it and really being blessed by the exercise. So I'm going to talk through the first one and, and, and maybe a couple of others, but I want your help on subsequent ones. So I'm going to show you what I'm thinking when I do this. So it starts off with, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. That's verse 14. So our waist is girded with truth, and the belt holds everything together. So what is the truth in which I stand? Well, Jesus is the truth, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth because he guides us into truth. These are all principles that we've looked at in the last few weeks. The truth is the gospel. It is God's word, and I believe it. So I find myself praying that, Lord, I believe your gospel. I believe your word. I believe what you say. I believe you created the world and everything in it. I believe you love me. This is the truth. I believe you've adopted me as your child. I believe you have good plans for me. And I believe that you control history. These are all elements of truth. Okay, so when we come to then the breastplate of righteousness. So you guys can help me here. But fundamentally, the breastplate of righteousness sits over our heart. Is it my righteousness? Well, we've already said no, it isn't. Thank goodness, no, it's Jesus, our righteousness. So, what does that mean for you and I? Tell me. It means I can come into God's presence. It means I'm not an offence to him. Because yep. He sees Jesus when I, when I cry out. Yes. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. Yep. It's Jesus interceding for me. Hmm. It's... Uh, Absolutely. And hopefully Satan will see Jesus too. Mm. Mm. Not our own, our own strength. And he'll see we've got it's Jesus. Yeah. But Jesus is impenetrable. Yeah. When Satan comes up against him, he sees the breastplate, which is Jesus. Mm. It's impenetrable. So tell me about Jesus' righteousness. Another step on that is that I've got to keep a short account with God to be able to be clothed with his righteousness. Yes. I've, I've got to confess as he is impressed on me to confess. And Absolutely. And, and be a good little boy in his presence, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah sorry. That, that, yep. Yeah, Jesus' righteousness. He He obeyed the Father. Yes. He, he did whatever the Father said. Hmm. To do. Sinless. Sinless. Yep. And the enemy can't condemn us for our lack of personal righteousness because we're covered with Jesus' righteousness. Absolutely. Stand on that. Absolutely. No condemnation because of his righteousness. 
So that gives us confidence to stand, does it not? So he alone is truly good. And he is my Lord. And what does his righteousness do? It protects my heart. And it protects my heart particularly from the enemy. All right, so we're thinking about the enemy firing off darts, the attacks of the enemy, and, and they will come through the things we think about, the, the challenges to God's word, the challenges to the truth that, that Satan will throw at us, that the world will throw at us. And Jesus, his righteousness protects my heart. Okay, so that's really beautiful. So we've got the truth and we've got Jesus' righteousness protecting us. So having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, I found myself praying, Upon my feet I stand, Lord, and I stand secure in the gospel of peace. Here I stand prepared by the gospel. I stand in the gospel and I stand for the gospel. And I'll fight for the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus Christ and he is the Prince of Peace. And the world needs to know the Prince of Peace. So I have confidence in sharing the Prince of Peace, the gospel of peace with the world. And because of the gospel, because God has made known the gospel, and we stand in it, we won't be blown around by every wind of doctrine. We'll be planted in it. So in my feet, I stand in it, and I'm planted in it. What a wonderful thing. So now you can tell me about the shield of faith. And I'll just say one little thing first. What it does is it quenches the fiery darts of the wicked one. right? And I love shields because if someone's going to hit me with a sword or a dart, I would much prefer that it was out there than here, you know, right on my body. I don't want blows coming onto my armour itself. I want the blows being taken out on my shield and my shield is of faith so tell me about what our faith says and does the faith that God gives us yeah we have an assurance yep our protection we can go back to the the word and the truth to find um, to build our faith to make it strong and we know what we're reading is you know is truth and solid and so it keeps our shield up. Mm. And Absolutely. I was thinking of how faith is, what is it, the evidence of things unseen, mm. right? And you don't see the front of your shield. True. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's fiery darts coming. Yeah. And you don't even see, like, your faith you mm. makes you not even see what it is mm. that's coming at you. Yep. Just to give it over to the Lord to say... Like I, this is so much bigger than I can even imagine. Mm. I don't even want to see it. Mm. It's almost like he, he goes, right, we'll put your shield up. I think, um, like when you talked about, it's his righteousness. It's also his faithfulness. Yes. Mm. So it's not our mustered up mm. faith. It's Absolutely. It's his faithfulness yes. to protect us. Mm. Which builds our faith. And what do we understand about ourselves in the light of his faithfulness? That we're not. Okay, that we're that we're not faithful. Okay, true. It's a shell around us. Protective coating. 
But God's faithfulness, what does that mean? It, it means that he is trustworthy, right? It means that Jesus is trustworthy. The, the objects or the people of my faith are trustworthy. They're completely uh, there for me. They will protect me against the evil one. They will go into battle for me. They will silence the lies, as you said. Um, what else do I know by faith? I know by faith that I have a future and a hope. I know by faith that I have a future in heaven, in paradise with my Lord. I know by faith that uh, Jesus lived and died according to the scriptures, that he rose again and he now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me. I know these things by faith. I can't see those things, but I know them by faith, the faith that he has given me. So our shield is out protecting us against the fiery darts of the wicked one. The helmet of salvation. I find myself praying that, My head is protected. My mind is protected by salvation, by the salvation that he has given me, that he has performed. He is delivering me. He has delivered me and he is delivering me. But he and he protects by the helmet. He protects my mind. He stops those darts getting through into my head. Now, salvation. Tell me about salvation. And how it works. What does it mean that Jesus has saved us? It's taking God at his word. He said we're saved through belief in Jesus. And Jesus said that too. So, um, you know, we can just... Um, it's a short promise. Mm. Absolutely. We can depend on it. Yep. We're saved from his wrath. Yes. And from the enemy. Yes. And, and we have that assurance that he has the ultimate victory. Yep. And being saved from his wrath, where does where do we now stand? In his love. In his love. Exactly right. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, so salvation is critically important. Now it is a certain hope because it's in a certain saviour who really lived, who really died, and who really rose again. Yeah, it's not just a hope, it's a certain hope Absolutely right. And the salvation has been given to us in that sense once and for all, but it's also been given to us daily. He's delivering us. We already are in our eternity, and he's delivering us constantly. So salvation is just incredibly beautiful isn't it he's he's my rescue my shelter he's my deliverance okay and the sword of the spirit the only attacking piece of the of the armor what what do we know about the sword of the spirit it's the spirit that does the work yes it is the spirit that does the work um he shows you um the ability to determine between what's true and not. Absolutely, discernment. Discernment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He guides us and helps us know what to say and yes. verses. And he tells us sometimes, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. You ever walk into those conversations <laughs> and you think, well, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had eight weeks of that, mate. I, um, yeah. 
<laughs> we we read recently that it brings down strongholds. It defeats false arguments. It takes down everything that it exalts itself against the living God. And also Jesus used it when he was being attacked by the devil. Exactly right. If Jesus used the word of God, should not we? It silences the enemy. It stops the attacks. It shows the heart. Yeah. The heart and Yes, it, it discerns. Yes. Cause of the matter, not symptoms? Absolutely. It does. It, it shows what's in our own heart as we study it, as we grow, as we're sanctified by God. I think it shows also our relationship. So, you know, if we, if we don't really believe it. Yes. Right? And, um, you know, the then you don't see that spiritual work. Exactly right. That's right. Yep, the Word of God shows us what we really believe and what we don't really believe, and, and our experiences confirm it. There's this beautiful um, dual action of God. His Word is working on us all the time. We, we read it, we study it, but then life is happening also, isn't it? And we see where they don't reconcile. The Holy Spirit shows us what we do really believe and what we don't really believe. So this is why we study the Word of God and why we memorise it. Because throughout the seasons of life, the Word of God silences the lies of the enemy. Now verse 18 finishes, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So I cast my cares and anxieties upon the Lord and I pour out my heart without fear before him. I ask for what I need and I allow my thoughts to be guided by the Spirit. And prayerfully, I'm alert to the leading of the Spirit and also the attacks of Satan. I uphold my brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer and I'll make requests on their behalf. So prayer is at the end of our armour, which we'll get to in just a second. But I, I just exhort you to, in the battle for your mental health, I pray that you would pray these verses and just remind yourself, what does it mean to have faith in God? What does it mean to stand in the truth? What does it mean to know the gospel of peace? What does it mean to be in Jesus' righteousness? And pray those things out. It's so encouraging to, to do it for yourself and realise that God is at work on your behalf. So I pray those things. So my second exhortation to you is that you would pray continually. Now, it's no surprise that after we were learning about battle and we saw the, the elements of the armour of God that we pick up, that the passage finishes when talking about warfare it finishes by giving us this exhortation to pray continually so why do we pray we pray because we know god listens we know he's faithful we know that he responds to prayer and he desires to hear from us so why would we not do it we should do it 
Okay, so it's good to be reminded also that God rewards those who diligently seek him. So keep seeking him. Keep praying. So we'll go to a very famous passage, Philippians 4, 6 to 9, because we're now thinking about praying continually. So can someone read that for us, please? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And 8 through till 10, 9. Finally, brethren. Do you mind if I keep going? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so what a tremendous passage. And I hope you don't miss the bookends in this passage. Verse 6 starts with anxiety. And verse 9 ends with peace. Right? And the middle of it tells us how to move from anxiety to peace. So this is an incredible little passage for us. So first, before we go on, so it says, be anxious for nothing. What are some of our causes of anxiety? Please shout them at me. Health. Health. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, health. What will happen? Family? Finances. Yes. Children. Tell me what these things are doing. Okay, so these are okay. So, so Laura's getting to it. The, all these are things, right? These are things that happen in our life. What's happening in our heart? What's the response? Lack of control is is one of those things that comes out, isn't it? What else causes anxiety? See, if you can fix your health, right? So, you, if yes, if you have about a bad health, then you just say, "Lord, heal me," and He heals you. Anxiety? No, not a problem, right? If we can control it. These things don't necessarily bring about anxiety. So, okay, so control is is another one. Being overwhelmed is another one. So compiling of things on top of us, things that we don't think we can handle. Being judged. Being judged, yep. Okay. Fear of the unknown. Rightio. So we, we have these issues and... And I find the exhortation... Um, really interesting be anxious for nothing now that would be cruel if it didn't go on and if we didn't know the character of God right because this world is a world that is going to fill us with anxiety but if if God is faithful and if he is powerful and his will is being done then we can move from anxiety to peace So what's the advice to us in this passage? In everything, by prayer and supplication. So sharing your needs with God, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we ask for help. We share our needs. We share the needs of of our brothers and sisters as well. And others as well, not just our brothers and sisters. But we do so with an attitude of thanksgiving. 
Now, this is really important. Why is Thanksgiving important? Thanks. So, thanks for me has two elements to it. It has a retrospective element where we're thankful for what God has already done. We've seen his past faithfulness, his past kindness to us. But thankfulness is also an expectation of future mercies. When we give thanksgiving to God, there's then a trust in what God is going to do. Okay, so that's really important. With thanksgiving, I often forget that. I might hit my knees, I might pour out my heart to God. Lord, this is everything that's going wrong in my life. You know, there's needs, needs everywhere. But when my heart turns to thanksgiving, guess what happens in the heart? A change happens. Okay, so it's, it, it's the difference between writing a list of the things that God needs to do for me and resting in the goodness and kindness of God. Very powerful. And the effect of this kind of prayer is amazing. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And this is really beautiful because we know God doesn't always respond to our prayers the way we would have him respond. He's not our puppet. He is the sovereign Lord who knows what is right for you and I, and he knows what is right for the whole body of Christ. He knows what is right for the whole world. And he's doing that all. Thankfully, he's doing it and not me. So when we pray, we are resting in his will as well, aren't we? And so... Can we just yeah. add one bit of research to that? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of this stuff going on right now around mindfulness and meditation around how to handle anxiety and depression and things like that in the mental health field but the research that's been done from a Christian perspective has been that and and neurologically that um, thanksgiving gratitude Mm -hmm. has the exact same effect as meditation does Mm -hmm. to your brain waves and so that's one thing with the research and also for over 40 years of research um, in couples work, they say that if you share thanksgiving and gratitude with your spouse every day, it changes. Hmm. Your your hearts change. And so I just thought that was it's Absolutely. a cornerstone of some of my stuff. Yeah, gratitude. Thank you. Gratitude mm. diary is much more. Mm. You write down, or even every morning, write what's great for you. Yeah. Exactly. Incredibly powerful, isn't it? And and we know for ourselves that, you know, if you if you lean towards um, praise and worship, it, it just changes your entire mood, doesn't it? Yeah. Isn't it funny how the Ephesians five twenty says, "Give thanks for all things." Yes. That specifically says for all things. Yes. Not in all things, but for all things, and all things means everything. And that requires a lot of faith. Yes. That requires a lot of faith. That's one of those ones where I, I agree that you you just realise you don't actually believe it, you know. And then, but you come round, and God is faithful with us until we until we come round until we learn the lessons. On that note of giving thanks for everything, um, I've been thinking about 
you know, I've, I've had periods of migraines consistently, mm. and that is one time where I cannot do anything but pray. Mm. And so, you know, I've learned to thank the Lord for the pain because it draws me close to Him, mm-hmm. and that brings yeah. Him glory. And, mm. you know, mm. I, it's a relationship, so that's good. And if, Absolutely. I, if I was not in pain, I would be busy about the stuff that I think I need to do. But what I really need to do is pray with the Lord. Absolutely. So you can pray, you can be thankful for the actual thing that you're praying to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So we see as we pray with thankfulness that our anxiety gives way to peace. And what is protected by um, by our prayers, our hearts and minds. And this is critical, right, in our context of looking at mental health. Our heart and our mind, they are the things that are under attack. We recognise, and the word was used, that anxiety fundamentally is about fear. It's about fear of not being able to cope, fear of not being able to control, fear of not being able to push through, to survive, um, fear of how things might turn out in the future. And fear, we know, turns to paranoia and, and all sorts of um, restlessness in, in our minds and our hearts and, and certainly leads to depression. We know that perfect love casts out fear. So when we rest in God's love, we have the antidote to fear. We, but prayer and supplication and thanksgiving are just the, the things we need to do to move from anxiety to peace. Now, lots of our fears are based on things that never happen, right, and never will happen. And, and it, you know, then a few weeks back when, it, when I was first writing this, I was right in the middle of a shake-up at work and, and my boss from Singapore said, Chris, I want to talk to you on Monday. Let's meet on Monday. And, and I just immediately thought, I'm not going to ask him what about. I don't care. And I'm not going to think about it over the weekend. What will happen will happen. God will look after it. And I'll fight that when I need to fight it. But I'm, because you know, things like that can really stuff up your weekend, right? You know, you're just oh, sweating on this meeting. Well, guess what happened on Monday? Then the meeting never happened. <laughs> right? You know. So, so in that case, I actually hadn't been anxious about it. I'd purposely um, set my mind at, at just trusting God for whatever was going to happen. Okay, and and the thing never happened anyway. Um, John mentioned a little saying to me. He said, "Fear knocked on the door, but when I opened it, there was no one there." Yeah, yeah. You know, our greatest fear is fear itself. It is. It is a real. It's a truism that it gets inside our head. Contagious. Yeah, it is. No, exactly, it is. Yes. And we can really help each other, can't we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to to encourage and exhort and, and to not be a fearful people. Okay, so 
We see this continuation on in verses 8 and 9. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. I love Paul so much the way he goes. Um, If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So we're exhorted to think about the good things. So tell me some of those good things. What can we think about that will be good for our mental health? God is promise. in control. God is in control. The promises of The promises of God. His character is unchanging. His character is unchanging. The word is readily available whenever we want to pick up that book. Absolutely. He is able. He is able, yep. He loves us. He loves us. I think it's good to dwell on the things God has done for us because it yes. builds our faith. Yep, what God has done for us. His past mercies to us, his past kindnesses to us. Great to meditate upon. They're like memorial stones. They are like memorial stones, yep. What else worship, can we... Worship music. Sorry. Worship music, absolutely. Yep. The future that is prepared for us. Exactly right. Got, you've snuck ahead in the notes. No, good on you. Absolutely, the future is prepared for us. Okay, I mean, creation, the wonders of creation, there's all sorts of things. There's the glory of babies and rain. Rain, exactly right. Such a beautiful thing. And mud. His provision. That's exactly right. (laughs) Rain and mud. Um, That's exactly right. So all of these good things are are, are great for us to think about and they help to move us from anxiety to peace. So let us concentrate on those things. Now, Paul, he clearly exemplified these things to, to the people that he lived with, right? Because he finishes by saying... The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. What a testimony to be able to say and and not get hailed down. (laughs) Um, Okay, these things do and the God of peace will be with you. Now, it's noteworthy that as we meditate upon the good things, that's commended to us, but the God of peace is with us as we do these things. And I've thought, therefore, about some of the, the things that we we think about but we don't actually necessarily do. And I've just got a stupid little example. I, I confess to every now and again spending too much time looking at those YouTube clips about the kindness of humanity and the restoring faith in humanity. And you see these great videos of bikers stepping off their Harley Davidson and helping an old lady cross the road. Or you see these just acts of kindness that you would never expect. And it is really awesome, right? And there would be thousands of hours of these videos on YouTube. But what's the point if I watch all of that and then the next day I get up and I mean a nasty to everyone? Right? 
these things do is critically important. And I think a lot of our humanity and a lot of our faith in humanity is based on acts of kindness that we don't do ourselves. We look outside and we see all the kindness in the world, but do we do it ourselves? No. Right? So there can be hypocrisy in this. And all through this course, we have had these applications that we have seen, the things, the good things to think about, the word of God to concentrate on, to take our thoughts captive. These things do. Do them. And in doing them, what is the assurance? What does Paul say? The God of peace will be with you as you do these things. So don't spectate. Do. Really important. I find it really interesting how, if we go back to the having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Mm. and you keep saying we move from this Mm. to peace. Yes. And it's interesting that the shoes move us in peace. Yes. It's a, it's a, it goes where we go. <laughs> and the, the, the strangeness of battle, peace. Yes. We stand in it. Yeah. And and as we're going to see, it, it's, it's something where sometimes we will be completely overwhelmed with God's peace in a circumstance that we wouldn't <coughs> normally have peace. I remember the first time I went and had surgery, I just had this overwhelming peace. There was this bit of me that was kind of thinking, this is dangerous, right? Um, but, but I just had this overwhelming <coughs> peace. But in future occasions, sometimes that peace is elusive and we have to concentrate on the God of peace and on the gospel and God being with me. We need to think about those things. So one of the things that came up about the good things to think about leads into exhortation three. Focus on the future Jesus gives. (coughs) Focus on the future Jesus gives because you and I have a glorious future. So thinking about heaven should provide you with hope and strength for the present. I think that's an important principle. That the God who promises us a future in heaven is the God that promises you hope and peace now. Because otherwise, despair could lead you to say, well, I just want to go to heaven. Okay, but God is the same God that's going to give you heaven is going to give you life now. So that's a really important thing to think about. So in John 14, 1 to 3, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is a now statement. Jesus talking to his disciples now. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So this is about the future. But it's really important, the current promise I'm stressing this because of mental illness because I've been tempted to take God up on the future in heaven many, many times Lord, I want that now and I'm tempted to accelerate it Okay, 
But the same God is faithful and present in your life to give you the hope and the lack of anxiety now. Okay, if there's any doubt about the glory of what Jesus has done and the lack of what we have to do, that beautiful passage that we see of the the robber on the cross next to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, he said, and Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Ah, what a simple thing. We need to rest in the simplicity of that. That is such childlike, glorious reality that the look to heaven, the trust in in Jesus, and he simply says, it will be. And it is. Absolutely fantastic, isn't it? So Jesus promises us this future in paradise. He promises an existence now without anxiety and trouble in our heart. And... Let's look at how that happened in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, if someone could read that for us. Therefore, since we are Okay, so we're given this exhortation to fix our eyes on Jesus and to run with perseverance. Okay, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How did Jesus persevere? So tell me from this passage, how did he persevere through the trials that he went through? And he just fixed on the, the end. He, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, and um, uh, he fixed his eyes on the joy set before him okay being restored to his father in heaven the glory that lay ahead and so how do we then persevere through our trials we fix our eyes on him who fixed his eyes on the glory ahead okay and and we see through his demonstration that such a hope was enabled him to go through even the cross, even taking on all the sins of humanity. What an incredible thing. Not just the the pain of the cross, the pain of taking on all the sins of the world. He was able to do that by the joy that was set before him. We too can um, persevere through the joy that's set before us. So focus on the future Jesus gives you. The future that starts this minute through to the future that you have in eternity in heaven with him. Exhortation four, stay standing in the freedom Christ has given you. So we've seen over the weeks many verses that talk about the work that Jesus has done to deliver us into freedom. Now stay standing, this is a faith thing, isn't it? We trust in him. And through our experiences, we know that 
faith is a muscle that gets stronger the more we use it. Sometimes it is completely lacking, as we just discussed. But God remains faithful to us. His faithfulness means that we look back on the events and say, I could have trusted him for that because he proved himself faithful. So next time, I will trust him for that. And I've shared a bit of uh, my journey with you with regards to being in and out of work. Uh, Two or three times, you know, you lose your job, you go through the, the pain of what's happening. And at various times, I trusted God really implicitly. And then other times, I just panicked. You know, you see those finances running out, you, um, and you just think you're on the shelf and you'll never have a job ever again. And, and your faith, your trust, turns to panic. And your restfulness turns to restlessness. But then you have faith again, you know, and you trust. And then you have a season of rest for your soul. And as I say, all the time... God is being faithful, so we learn through all of that process and we learn that we can trust him for the things that once upon a time we didn't do. This is a humbling and a really good point to be in in your Christian walk when you just realise, I don't have it together. I'm just... God is walking with me and he's showing me and he's teaching me and sometimes I fail and sometimes I have faith that he gave me and I exercised it and wow how didn't it transform my situation you, you know you go through a, a terrible time and you did it with joy instead of the alternative last time you went through it in anxiety this time you went through with joy so faith is a muscle that, that grows stronger as we use it and it's all about learning about the character of God, is it not? He's saying, Chris, you can trust me. And my flesh is saying, no, I can't. And then the experiences teach me that I can trust him. And I should have trusted him. And next time I will trust him. It's about the character of God and us believing it. So standing in the freedom Christ has given us. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled, entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So just these verses that talk about not going back. Not going back to the things that used to tempt us. The, the methods of coping that we might have, used, might have had in the past. I face, I face this battle, I've got to tell you, with alcohol. I realised when I was a young man, I could smash myself. That could be my preferred method of coping with life. Okay, in my late teenage years. And, and when I drink now, and I, I don't often drink more than I should. Well, drinking every day is probably more than I should. Um, if I asked my wife, she would say, you drink more than you should. Uh, but I don't drink to get drunk now, but I very easily could. And I, I hear that voice that just says, keep going, son. You know, um, give it a nudge. But don't go back to those behaviours. You've learnt new behaviours. Don't go back to the old ones. They're just going to entrap you again. But how faithful is God when we fall? 
He's just loves us still. He's faithful still. And we have another go. We are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So sometimes automatic pilot will kick in and we'll go, no, I won't do that. Other times we find ourselves sliding back into old behaviours and we've got to consciously act. Take your thoughts captive, as 1 Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Okay, it's a deliberate thing that we do in the middle of that verse, not conforming yourselves to your former lusts. Okay, it's a thing we don't want to return to. Stand strong, rest your hope fully in the grace of Jesus Christ. Absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Okay. So as we move towards our conclusion, um, I want to remind you with Exhortation 5 where our lasting joy comes from, particularly for those of us who are brokenhearted. Abide in Christ. Exhortation 5, abide in Christ. Because our joy is found in him. So I know we've looked at the Isaiah 61 passage previously we see that Jesus' ministry, amongst other things, is to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty for the captives. Now, I'm talking about his ministry because there's three points here that I want to I go through very quickly. His ministry, his work, his completion. His ministry, his work, his completion. Now, we see... That Isaiah passage, I've taught through it before, so I won't go through it all again. But Jesus started his ministry by saying, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He read this passage and he said, This is what I'm here for. What a beautiful, clear statement. Isn't that great? You know, we don't have to guess about the work of Jesus and what he came to do. This is what he came to do. This is fulfilled in your hearing. And we see that Jesus was uniquely qualified to do it through the indwelling spirit. He is God with us, Emmanuel. And it was prophesied what his ministry would be to save his people from his sins. Okay, so we see then the beautiful things that are laid out in in Isaiah. To preach good tidings, to heal the brokenhearted, liberty, to release those from uh, from prison, to comfort those who mourn. To exchange beauty for ashes. That is, to give us beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. To replace the spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. These are all wonderful things, aren't they, if you are downhearted. They're very apt for us. So we can know really clearly this is what he came to do. He came to heal us. And he came to give us freedom from the things that enslave us. That's all things that enslave us. That's our habits, that's our um, addictions, that is our strongholds in our minds that he came to break, the, our thought patterns that are wrong, the truths uh, that we don't believe the, or the lies that we believe. He came to release us from all of those things. Absolutely wonderful. While... He was in his ministry. John the Baptist, you remember, sent a message to him. Are you the one? Are you the one who we have been expecting or should we expect someone else? And Jesus sent back the message, tell John what you see. Okay, I love the fact that Jesus didn't say, I'm telling you I'm the one. He said, 
look at what's happening. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So we see the ministry that he was called to, we see Jesus doing the ministry And then Jesus confirmed that he was going to go to the cross, right? He told his disciples on at least three occasions he's going to go up according to what the prophets have said, what they have written, that those prophecies will be accomplished. They will be fulfilled. He will be scourged and killed and rise again on the third day. So we see him doing the ministry that he was called to do. And then on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He finishes the ministry that he was given. He gave up his spirit. And I could stop there, and I had stopped there in my writing, but the only thing I'm going to put on top of that is that the resurrection proves that it was all completely effectual. That his sacrifice was accepted by God the Father. That his pure life was accepted by God the Father. That his work was accepted by God the Father that his whole motivation, I mean, imagine that. Not just did he live according to the law, a pure life, but he did it with the perfect motivation. Love and devotion to the Father, joy in the Father. Something that the Pharisees could never do. They could maybe follow the law, but they could never do it with the right attitude, with the right mind. The resurrection proved that his work was complete. Why am I saying this? This is the Lord that we abide with. He came to set his people free. (laughs) He then did the work. He finished the work. And all of it was prophesied about. He accomplished all the things that the prophets wrote about him. Abide in him. Okay, so... If you need any further encouragement to seek Jesus for the sake of your own well-being, can someone read that passage, please? Uh, John fifteen nine to twelve. Okay, so for the sake of your well-being, Jesus says, I have spoken these things that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, this is what is the promise of Jesus to his followers, that his joy would remain in us and our joy would be full. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And what a beautiful promise to those who suffer with um, bad mental health. We want joy. We want peace. We need it. We crave it. 
it is found in Jesus. It is found in Jesus. So abide in him. Stay in him. Exhortation 6, I'll finish with Jesus' exhortation to us. That you love one another as I have loved you. And I'll just finish with that because I think it's a really fantastic reminder that we are the body of Christ. And to a great extent, we are the way that God chooses to demonstrate his presence in the world is through us to each other. His love manifests in each other to each other. His joy in us, our joy being full, us loving one another. What a beautiful thing. So I really hope that through this study you will have come to an even greater desire to be in fellowship with Jesus. Sweet, sweet fellowship. When Peter was asked by Jesus, do you want to leave me too? Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. (laughs) I think it's because I can see the bottom of the page. (laughs) You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Would someone like to read for us, please, Jude 1, 20 to 25? We'll finish there. You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by their flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from standing and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.